This podcast has content about sexual violence and may not be suitable for all listeners. For information or resources, go to www.rainn.org. Also, a note about the use of the term sexual assault in this series. Sexual assault has a colloquial meaning and can also be a legal term. Its legal definition varies across the U.S. and in different countries, including in Spain. In this podcast, when a woman describes what happened to her, we use the terms and descriptions she has used in her words. In April of 2018, a few days after Gabrielle Vega went on TV, her dad, Raul, emailed the chairman of the American Institute for Foreign Studies, AIFS, the program that Gabrielle studied abroad with. The subject line of the email said, AIFS student raped while in your program. Need to discuss with you. Their behavior acts like someone who's trying to bury it because it's not good for business, instead of how do we make our kids safe. Raul had asked the chairman to talk on the phone, but the chairman wouldn't do that. Instead, he sent back a short email. In it, he thanked Raul for reaching out, assured him that they were addressing the TV segment with staff and students, reiterated the program safety policies, and wished him well in this difficult time. I mean, to me, I mean, I'm the CEO of a company. If someone said something like that to me, I'd sure as hell get on the phone with them. I mean, their whole business is taking these young kids to overseas trips, you know? It's a pretty serious thing to happen. You would close the loop and communicate and and do a heck of a lot more than that. It's ridiculous to me. If they did any kind of worthwhile investigation, the first person they should have called was Gabrielle and asked her what the hell happened. Raul and Gabrielle say the program never did. AIFS confirmed that. Last time on Motive, we talked about why women so often don't report sexual assault. This time, we explore what happens when they do. I was devastated. I felt like we were completely alone. And what role do the universities and study abroad institutions play in all of this? Should they be held accountable for anything? I mean, we as parents are sending our kids and entrusting them to their oversight. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Candace Mattel-Khan. This is Motive. Episode 5, Did Anyone Know? I studied abroad two summers ago, so I was 19, yeah. In the summer of 2017, between sophomore and junior year of college, Haley McAleese and Carly Van Ostenbridge studied abroad in Spain. I talked to both of them, separately, but you're going to hear the two of them describe what happened. Haley and Carly's school, Florida State University, FSU, has its own campus in Valencia, It was completely through FSU, FSU teachers, FSU housing. I'd say there's about 300 students at a time. This is a big university program. FSU has had a campus in Valencia for 20 years. And Haley says the program is well-known in the city. They, like, had FSU t-shirts on the walls in local restaurants. When Haley and Carly arrived on campus, like any first day of a program... They sat down for orientation, how to get groceries, how to access public transportation, how to exchange money. 
They had a couple of introductory presentations about culture shock and just adjusting to Valencia. One of the presentations, titled Living in Valencia, had a section called Cultural Differences. Haley showed me the PowerPoint slides. Can you describe to me what's in there? Yeah, so the first slide says, don't forget about siesta. And then the next two slides were about being, like, it literally says, try not to be too American. And there's two pictures of women in very short shorts and very small tops. Then the next slide is, same goes for dancing. And there's pictures of two couples grinding on each other and a picture of Miley Cyrus twerking on Robin Thicke. They said, basically, if you look too American, they said we would be targeted for pickpocketing because people would be able to tell we were tourists. It was very stereotypical and kind of offensive, the way they phrased it and the pictures that they used. There's a lot of ways to easily look like a tourist, and they chose only to show someone looking, like, very trashy, very drunk. And those two slides were not a message to the boys in the group at all. I think it was specifically to the girls, like, don't dress like this, don't get too drunk. Sometime after orientation, Haley and Carly remember the owner of a tour company called Discover Excursions giving a short presentation to FSU students. He was talking about the trips his company offered. It was Manuel Blanco Vela. No other company came to present to us like Discover Excursions did. And it was the first travel company that they gave FSU students exposure to. So it almost seemed that it was an FSU-sponsored company. The university told us that they do not have and have never had an affiliation with Discover Excursions. They did, however, confirm that Manuel had been on campus to give a presentation. Haley remembers this presentation in class. I remember him being kind of flirty and saying, like, oh, I'm single, like, the pretty girls come and then I'll marry you. And just kind of like funny jokes that I guess you wouldn't really think about. Afterwards, Haley says he was handing out his business cards in the school's lobby. FSU says the presentation was to an entrepreneurship class and was supposed to have been on the topic of entrepreneurship. But, they said, quote, Blanco Vela's actual presentation turned out to be an obvious sales pitch for his business. The instructor was surprised, disappointed, and unhappy with Blanco Vela's presentation. FSU also told us, quote, Merchants and salespeople can be very aggressive in their marketing techniques and tactics. Unfortunately, we can't control the actions of unscrupulous individuals, and that appears to be what happened in this case. Shortly after Manuel's presentation, a classmate posted in the official FSU Valencia Facebook group. She was trying to get a group together to go to Lagos, Portugal with Discover Excursions. An FSU Valencia staff member commented on the post that the trips were well-organized, fun, and, quote, a great time. Haley says other staff members also recommended their trips. They were always kind of, like, hyping it up, like, oh, Discover Excursions is great. I went on one of their trips. You guys should go. So Haley and Carly decided to sign up. The trip was called You Only Lagos Once. On the last night of the trip, Haley and Carly say all of the students went out to a bar Manuel had recommended. 
They say he was buying drinks for everyone. At the end of the night, Haley says Manuel offered to walk her and Carly back to the hotel. Manuel came up to us and he said, hey, we're the last three from our group. We should walk back together because I know the city and you don't and it's safer that way. And so we said, like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then he started telling us about an after party for some of the people within our program, but not all of the people within our program. So it was a very selective party. You should totally come. And so we were like, yeah, sure, like, we'll drop off our stuff and then come. When we arrived at Manuel's room, immediately we noticed that we were the only people there. We were confused because we were like, well, no one else is here. And he was like, yeah, they're just, like, coming later because we got back to the hotel faster than them. So let's just, like, sit and wait for the other people to show up. And we didn't want to be rude, so we were like, yeah, sure. The women say Manuel then asked them if it was okay if he took off his pants. Would you mind if I take my pants off? And so in my head, I thought, oh, he messed up his English and meant to say, like, can I change my pants into something more comfortable? Because he was wearing, like, really tight jeans, so I thought, oh, he's going to put on sweatpants. But it wasn't a translation issue. The women say Manuel just took his pants off. Me and Carly, like, visibly were like, what is going on? They say he then asked them to play truth or dare. He was like, well, I dare you girls to dance. You guys should kiss me and dance for me and all this stuff. And we were getting really uncomfortable. And I told him, no, I was not going to do that. And then he got upset and was like, no, you need to dance sexy. Like, sit on me, dance to me or whatever. Then he stood up from the bed and he grabbed our wrists and, like, pushed us against the counter of the kitchenette. And that's when I was like, no, like, we're leaving. I don't want to be here anymore. But Haley says Manuel cornered her against the wall and told her she couldn't leave. He told us that one of you should kiss me and one of you should touch me. And we were like, no, we need to leave. Let us leave. And then he proceeded to do it anyways. He held me against the wall and started kissing me. I opened my eyes and tried to, like, turn my head away from him. And that's when I realized he was, like, holding my friend's hand on his private area. We needed to get out of there as soon as possible because the situation had turned from awkward to aggressive. Haley was able to twist her arm and get out from under Manuel. But Haley says he wouldn't let go of Carly. I tried to pull his hand off of hers, but I couldn't get his grip off. And then he said, you can't leave me here with blue balls. At that point, Haley ran to the door, and she swung it open, and she just yelled back into the room, the door is open, everyone can hear what you're saying. When she did that, she says he finally let Carly go, and they both ran out of the room. They were in shock. You know, you hear these stories all the time, and you don't think that you're going to be like, the girl who was dumb enough to go to the after-party thing. So I was angry that I let myself do that. Just kind of laid awake, having it play through my mind over and over again, just trying to make sense of what happened. Probably got like an hour of sleep that night. The next morning, 
Haley wanted to confront Manuel about it. I wanted to, like, look him in the eye and be able to yell at him and let him know that we know what you did and, like, you're not going to get away with it. But he had disappeared. Another tour guide told them that Manuel had a family emergency and had to leave the trip early. Haley and Carly never saw him again. On the bus back to Valencia, they talked about how they could report what happened. My thought process was instantly like, this is wrong. Like, you know, anyone can tell you that this is wrong. So, like, we had to report it. When they got back to campus, Haley and Carly went to see their FSU program director, Ignacio Masana. They sat down with him and another staff member. We told him, you know, everything that had happened. And the first question that he asked us was, well, why didn't you just leave? He started basically, like, speaking loudly at us, like, well, when did he grab you? Like, why didn't you just leave? Was he actually holding you, or could you have just walked out? He said, this isn't a good enough thing to tell a police officer. Hmm. No one cares. Like, that's not anything. What do you think Ignacio meant when he said, this wasn't a good enough thing to report to the police? It was basically like he was telling us we were wasting his time and that we were just stupid girls who were causing trouble for him, that a police officer wouldn't take it seriously as a crime and it wouldn't be worth investigating. Why are you even telling me this? This sort of thing is standard. Why are you bothering telling me about your night out? Do you feel like he believed you? Um, I feel like he believed that it happened, I feel like he didn't believe that it was a problem. Haley and Carly were worried that FSU students might continue to travel with Discover excursions, not knowing what had happened to them. You know, maybe you should tell students not to use this company in the future. You know, he was on campus telling people about his trips, and you shouldn't be supporting that. He basically said, like, Regardless of what happened to you, like, I can't tell people that. For Haley, it was a horrible conversation. But later that same day, FSU followed their standard practice and a staff member took the women to the police station. And even though this staff member helped the women get to a police station and translate from English to Spanish... Both women say they felt like they hadn't gotten the support they needed from their program director. This is a person who is supposed to be handling conflicts and looking out for students who are over there. And you're my source of guidance and safety. You're supposed to be understanding and actually listen to what we're saying instead of making us feel bad that we had put ourselves in the situation. He almost made it seem like it was our fault. And even when they arrived at the police station, Haley and Carly say they were still thinking about that meeting. We didn't want to have to go through that again. Like, we didn't want a uniformed officer yelling at us that it was our fault this way that he had. Do we actually want to do this? Because we were adamant about doing it beforehand. And then after we talked to Ignacio, he kind of just made us feel insignificant. I was devastated. I felt like we were completely alone. 
we made multiple requests to interview Ignacio Masana to get his response to Haley and Carly's accusations. FSU declined these requests. No one from FSU would give an interview, citing differences in Spanish and American law and their policy not to comment on an open police investigation. A spokesperson for FSU, however, did respond to questions over email, saying, quote, If the students believe university staff were being unsupportive, it may have been due to the fact that administrators wanted to ensure the students understood and were prepared for the significant differences between American and Spanish culture, law enforcement, and judicial systems. FSU also emphasized their support for the students, saying, quote, The students absolutely did the right thing in reporting their assault to our administrators and to the local authorities. At the police station in Valencia, Haley and Carly gave statements and separately identified pictures of Manuel. We finished the report. We got it signed and everything. And they took down all of our information. And then we got a copy. A few hours later, they went back to campus. And that was the last we heard of how our case was being handled. Over the next few weeks, Haley and Carly would ask FSU staff if they knew anything about their case. You know, we were asking, like, is there anything else we need to do? Because, like, the photo lineup made us feel that, you know, our case was rolling, that something was happening. And then the days just kept rolling on and nothing was happening and nothing was happening. FSU told us that they didn't have any information from authorities following the initial report. You know, we waited patiently for our case to be investigated. And then a month and a half later, we left Valencia. Our program ended and... We flew back, and there was nothing resolved. Gabrielle Vega's lawyer told us that the judge in Valencia was supposed to have transferred Haley and Carly's police report to the Audencia Nacional, a court in Madrid that handles international cases. But instead, a few days after Haley and Carly filed the report, the judge archived the case, citing lack of jurisdiction as the reason. But as we came to learn, that was a big mistake. It would be a year before a prosecutor in Spain would become aware of Haley and Carly's police report. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River. Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Haley and Carly filed their police report in May of 2017. Their semester ended in July, and they flew back to the States. That fall, Haley was upset to find out that FSU students were still going on Manuel's trips. This person is still using these students, and the same thing can happen over and over again. One student told her that FSU staff helped arrange a bus to Seville for one of these trips. So not only were FSU students still going on Discover Excursions trips, but FSU didn't formally warn students about the company until February of 2018, nine months after Haley and Carly made their police report. 
At that time, FSU sent an email to its current Valencia students that said, quote, We strongly encourage you not to use the company Discover Excursions for your travels, due to the fact that we cannot assure they meet the good practices and quality standards that we would recommend. That's all the warning said. Haley and Carly felt this wasn't enough. They decided to go on the Megyn Kelly Today Show with Gabrielle Vega to share their stories publicly. The day we filmed Megyn Kelly, I was on top of the world and I was like, I can take on any bad guy right now and just live my life. And then the night before it aired, I had like major anxiety attack. Haley was remembering the way it had gone with Ignacio Masana, her FSU program director that I'd focused on the wrong things and that the way I'd said it would make people react like the way that Ignacio had and not the way that you should react. But for the most part, the reaction to Haley and Carly's appearance on the show was supportive. In fact, one woman who was studying at FSU Valencia when the segment aired messaged Haley to thank her. She said she had gotten that email warning from FSU but she had no idea that anyone had reported having been sexually assaulted on the trip. She wrote, quote, I don't understand how they couldn't have told us. Please keep speaking out. I think not only FSU students, but all abroad students should be made aware of these real dangers. The same summer that Haley and Carly filed their police report, another student, Erin, on a different program, told us that she, too, was trying to warn students about Manuel and his company. She says she was sexually assaulted by Manuel in Seville. And while she didn't go to the police, she did make a complaint in writing to her study abroad institution. We filled out questionnaires at the end, and there is a section to elaborate on your experience And I took that time to fill out what happened. Her program was through the Council on International Educational Exchange, CIEE. It's a nonprofit that's been running study abroad programs all over the world for more than 50 years. They've sent millions of students on exchange programs. Erin says she felt a moral obligation to say something to the organization. I did not go into full detail. I just said that the promoter and head of Discover Excursions, Manuel, I said his full name, is a dangerous and predatory type person. And I do not feel that students should ever use his program going forward. He made me feel incredibly uncomfortable and feel unsafe. We don't know if this was the first time a student had told CIEE information like this about Manuel. They wouldn't answer any of our questions. But we do know that for years, the organization had concerns about his company. Gabrielle sent me a Facebook exchange she had with CIEE Seville after her TV segment aired. In the messages, the organization acknowledged that they had, quote, been entrenched in a battle to actively dissuade students from traveling with Discover Excursions. I also received another email exchange written around this time. It was a different student who asked that we not use her name. In the messages, an advisor from CIEE writes that they believed Discover Excursions was promoting a, quote, party-centric, independent travel experience that can be unsafe. 
We don't know what the organization did to, quote, actively dissuade students from traveling with Discover Excursions. And it's not clear what they thought was unsafe about the company. Again, they wouldn't talk to us. We do know that CIEE was aware that one of their students, Lauren Bajorek, had died at Manuel's apartment in July of 2015 when she fell off of his balcony. We also know that none of the CIEE students we talked to remember being discouraged from using the company. And for years, despite the program's concerns, we know that CIEE students continued to go on Discover Excursions trips. The State Department told us that pickpocketing, stolen passports, and sexual assault are the most common crimes they deal with when Americans travel abroad. And yet, many of the women we spoke with don't remember learning anything meaningful about sexual assault during their school's orientations. Here's one woman, Tori Zile, who says she was sexually assaulted by Manuel in 2017. For a system that's like as big as study abroad is, and for girls who are like the main people who study abroad, there needs to be a better system because there's really no protection or like oversight for girls. Something has to change. Some programs do better than others. But another student, who says she was raped by Manuel in 2017, who didn't want her name to be used, said something similar to Tori. I think a lot of the conversations that we're having now on campuses in the U.S. I don't think are necessarily addressed in the same manner abroad or in programs catered towards Americans, which is a big gap, especially when visiting students are probably much more vulnerable. I think that's a big issue. Parents we spoke with were concerned with this same thing. One parent told us that these institutions do a great job at selling the adventure and excitement of study abroad. But, she said, they need to explicitly educate students about the risks of sexual assault. It's their responsibility. I mean, we as parents are sending our kids and entrusting them, right, to their oversight. Raul Vega, Gabriel's dad, doesn't feel like Gabrielle's program took that oversight seriously enough. This stuff happens and nobody even knows, even though, I mean, to me, there's a whole money-making machine here where they try to bury these type of stories from coming out so parents will not freak out and stop sending their kids overseas, right? You might remember that Gabrielle told us she didn't report her rape when she says it happened. And that's true. But it's a bit more complicated than that. Because Gabrielle's study abroad advisor in Spain, at some point, knew Gabrielle had been raped. I know this because I've seen messages where the two of them are clearly talking about it years later. And for Raul, that feels like a failure. So to me, it smells rotten of what they're really doing to watch over these kids when they're overseas. You know, and I think they're doing nothing is basically the answer. A spokesperson for Gabrielle's program says it's their policy to report and investigate any claim of sexual assault. But when we asked if they were aware that Gabrielle had told her advisor she had been raped, they said no. Quote, We take every allegation of misbehavior seriously, and this will now be a part of an independent investigation by an outside law firm. 
They wouldn't tell us anything more about their investigation since the process is ongoing. They did tell us, however, that they now make students sign a waiver before going on trips, which includes, among other things, a warning against using third-party tour operators and travel service providers. Gabrielle, Haley, and Carly went on television to tell their story in April of 2018. In June of that year, the U.S. Embassy in Madrid told Gabrielle that a criminal investigation had been opened in Spain. But for months after that, Gabrielle didn't hear anything. And at this point, Manuel hadn't been charged with any crime. Tens of thousands of American students study abroad in Spain each semester. Gabrielle was worried that women might still be in danger. Every semester, there are new students. They're young. They're unaware. They don't know what's going on. I don't rely on these study abroad bullshit programs to tell them. Well, that's where U.S. embassies might come in. They can and do routinely warn American citizens traveling abroad about potential dangers. My name is Michelle Bernier-Toth. I'm the Managing Director of Overseas Citizen Services in the Bureau of Consular Affairs at the U.S. Department of State. Bernier-Toth has been with the State Department for 32 years. And she says, unfortunately, in that time, she's had to assist many Americans who were the victim of a crime overseas. We asked her how a U.S. embassy goes about warning its citizens traveling abroad of specific threats. We operate under what's called the no double standard. So if we have information about a threat that is specific, it's credible, and there's no way that we can simply mitigate against it or avoid it or prevent it, and we're telling our own official community to take certain actions in response to that, we are required by our policy to share that information with the U.S. public. And that's the basis of our security alerts. Bernier Toth told us that most of the time, these security alerts point to a general threat, not an individual. We asked her how quickly the alerts can be released. Once we've assessed that the threat is credible, that it is specific, and that we can't prevent it, it's really quite fast. We've tried to streamline the process as much as possible with the goal that an embassy can send out a security alert and then tell us in Washington that they've done that. And those can go out very quickly. I mean, within the matter of, of, you know, an hour, two hours, because we know that people are going to need to act on the information, and they need to do that sooner rather than later. The U.S. Embassy in Madrid posted a security alert about Manuel Blanco Vela nine months after the investigation had been opened. The alert warned visitors that he is, quote, alleged to have targeted U.S. citizen visitors for sexual assault. When we asked the embassy if they could give us any clarity about the timing of the alert, all a U.S. embassy spokesperson would say is, quote, the embassy had not assisted on a case quite like this one before, with so many accusations against a single individual. At the time the security alert was issued, the embassy was concerned that Manuel Blanco may have opened a tour company under a different name, and that this could pose an ongoing risk to American citizen clients. Despite all of this, For Gabrielle's dad, who as a parent didn't want any other family to ever experience what his family had, it all kind of felt like too little, too late. The reality is, in my opinion, if I'm the U.S. Embassy and I am finding out that all these American girls have been attacked that are credible accusations, they should be able to do a hell of a lot more 
to defend the rights of American citizens in Spain. It's been a joke. I mean, they kind of helped at the beginning, but it was like they were treading water. I don't know why. I, I just can't even understand it. I mean, you're talking about young American girls being targeted in this country systematically. There's very credible. They should be able to put resource behind it to help you from a legal, navigating the legal system there, supporting you. So they kind of helped a little bit, but everything's a maze. It's crazy to me. I mean, I, I would think that the embassy in Spain, it, this is like a big deal to them. This should be a big deal to them. And if it's not, why isn't it a big deal to them? Despite Raul's frustrations, the security alert did seem to move things along. It might have been coincidental, but shortly after the alert came out, Gabrielle finally got that FBI call she had been waiting for. I got a call, and he was basically like, you know, I'm calling from the FBI, and we want to, like, meet with you. He said that, like, the case, like, just landed on his desk, and he, like, immediately called me to meet with me. I was like, you know, I've been waiting for this call. And he was like, oh, I hope for not too long. And I was like, um, for like a year. She had been waiting for this call for a year. A few weeks later, Gabrielle went to the FBI headquarters in Miami to speak with the prosecutor in Spain through video conference. After the interview, things again went back to normal for Gabrielle. Or as normal as it can be when you feel like you're responsible for an international criminal investigation. But Gabrielle says at this point, there still wasn't a lot of communication. She had no idea what was going on with the investigation in Spain. And by September of 2019, it had been almost a year and a half since it had been opened. I just need to know if somebody's going to take care of their case or if they'll be dropped. I don't want these women to feel like they're going to be able to, like, get justice or go through the... Like, they finally made this decision. If no one picks it up, I need to, like, be able to let them know. And I want to know what the expectations are. Like, there's literally no communication at all. And I don't know. It's just hard because I don't get any information. So what is going on with the investigation in Spain? And what does Manuel have to say? He said that... He didn't do anything. That, I mean, that's as far as I know. That's what all he told me. I mean, he says it's not true. That's next time on Motive. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Motive is a production of WBEZ Chicago. The show is produced by me, Candice Mattel Khan. The editor is Alexandra Solomon. Additional reporting in Spain by Carmen Ibanez Espinoza. The executive producer is Kevin Dawson. Our intern is Isabel Carter. The show is mixed by Colin McNulty and Shelley Steffens. Thanks to the listeners whose financial support of WBEZ made this podcast possible. Subscribe to Motive wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and review. It really helps other people find this show. <laughs>